we are looking at the breakfast on the beach this morning and uh, we are still looking at this Easter season when there were many post-resurrection appearances by Jesus to the disciples and the breakfast on the beach was one of those so we're going to be looking at that. John chapter 21 verses 1 to 14 reading from the New Living Translation. Later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they all went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to the shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. So our reading this morning, as we've said, was about the breakfast on the beach. And through reading John's gospel, we have been witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus, haven't we? We've wept with Mary by the open tomb and we've rejoiced in the realisation that Jesus lives. We've walked the Emmaus Road and we've talked with Jesus as we've walked along. And we've experienced the fear of the disciples who lock themselves in and we've seen their doubts and we've seen the unbelief of Thomas until the risen Jesus appears to them, comes close to them to reassure and to prove that he is actually who he says he is. 
And so you would perhaps think, wouldn't you, that all is well and that the disciples would now be prepared to go out and spread the word and spread the good news, news of all they had seen and all they had heard. But that's not what we see happen here. We pick up the story sometime later, we are told, when, when some of the disciples have gathered back in Galilee. And we are told that Peter is not going out and about telling others of Jesus. He's going fishing. Now, in my mind, when Peter announces that he's going fishing, my imagination takes on a typically British picture of a fishing scene. I think of a riverbank or the side of a canal. I think of or, uh, olive green kit umbrellas and tents and things and invariably a very rainy day and I imagine a tub of bait probably maggots and as you can probably tell um, fishing is not quite my pastime of choice I'm more of a sit on the sofa with a good book type of girl but the disciples announcing that they are going fishing this was really quite significant and nothing like the picture I had in my mind. This was no casual, lazy hobby sitting on a riverbank, passing the time of day. These disciples, as with some people today, fishing was their trade. It was out on the open water, handling a boat and heavy nets. This was something that they did to earn money to keep themselves and their families afloat, if you'll excuse the pun. So when in verse three, Simon Peter says that he's going fishing, we need to realize that he wasn't just going to spend an afternoon in peaceful contemplation, hoping to catch a perch. You know, when Peter said that he was going fishing, he meant he was going fishing. This was a big effort. This would require a boat, a large one that required a crew. And in this story, we see that Peter's friends offer to go with him because they know that he cannot possibly go fishing by himself. So how do these followers of Jesus who have experienced his teaching, his ministry and his miracles end up back fishing. I think what Peter is saying here, I think what he's trying to tell us is I'm going back to my old life. I've been on an amazing journey with Jesus and with you guys for the last three years. And now we find ourselves here. We're back in Galilee we're no longer in Jerusalem and it's time to get real it's time to get back to work it's time to get back to something that we know that we understand back to the comfort of a known place and a known routine I think here the disciples have kind of given up hope they're They've given up wondering 
what's going to come next and their bubble has burst. Now, Galilee is 80 miles distant from Jerusalem, Jerusalem, where Jesus had last appeared to them. It's no short distance to cover, especially in those days. And I get a sense that the disciples, well, they're just a bit bewildered, a bit lost, pretty confused. And John tells us more. He tells us that there were only seven disciples at the lake and he names them. So it leads you to think, where are the others? Where are the other, th the other five? Perhaps they have gone back to their old lives too, their old ways of being. The adventures as a band of brothers is over. They were returning to the way that they had been, the way that they knew best, facing the challenges of the unknown in the future was just too hard for them. They had expected something, anything, perhaps didn't know what. And after all, things just hadn't turned out the way they thought they would, had they? So John tells us that they are out there fishing. And it's not a very successful trip. Verse three tells us that they caught nothing. That's an awful lot of work, getting the boat ready, setting sail, spending the night on the water and having nothing to show for it. More disappointment for them. And then we read about the encounter that follows. An encounter with someone that the disciples thought initially a stranger, but who we know to be the risen Jesus. And we see this beautiful, grace-filled, full of love encounter. Jesus begins the conversation in verse five and he says, friends, he says, have you got no fish? And then he tells them to cast their nets on the other side of the boat. Jesus uses a term of fondness. I find that Jesus uses the word friends. Some translation says children. Margaret read fellows to us. This is a beautiful, timely reminder, the reality that we are all loved by God. We are God's children. We are God's friends, young or old or anywhere in between. And imagine for one moment, if you could, the way that these men must have been feeling. <clears throat> they were returning to an old way of life, trying as best they could to make sense of all that had happened over the last three years, trying to overcome the ordeal of having their beloved friend and teacher arrested and crucified. Imagine their sense of loss, their sense of guilt. They hadn't been all that they could have been, had they? They had hidden, they had run, they had deserted him. They had not been there for him in his time of need. 
And imagine Peter particularly knowing that he had denied following Jesus three times when asked. How do you carry a burden like that? And yet, despite all of this, despite all their weaknesses and all their failures, <clears throat> Jesus wants to show himself to them again. He wants to call out to these friends again. He wants to help them again. He knows how weak they are. He knows how vulnerable they're feeling. He knows how much they need to be met with love right at that moment. And Jesus knows all their failures. And then when they're about to give up, he suggests that they try a different way, that they try something new. He suggests that they do things not their way, but his way. Throw the net down on the other side of the boat. <clears throat> the same is true for us today. Jesus can and will meet us just where we are. He will not overlook our failures, but will acknowledge them and then encourage us despite them in love to try again to overcome by doing things his way. <clears throat> now, you may be thinking that this story is similar to one that you've heard before. And that's because it is. In Luke's gospel, we have the account of Jesus standing on the very same shore, instructing the disciples to push the boat out into deeper water to catch fish. And they do. They catch so many fish that their necks begin to break. The story that we're thinking about here from Luke recalls the time at the beginning of his ministry when Jesus first calls the disciples to follow him. He tells them to put down their nets and to go with him. And here in John, after all the amazing adventures that they've had and all the amazing signs and miracles that they have seen, we have the disciples turned full circle, right back where they started. But here, instead of putting their nets down, we find them picking them back up again. And we are sometimes like that, aren't we? We know what we should be doing, but we find ourselves time and time again doing or saying or thinking the wrong thing. Instead of putting down our worries, our wrongdoings, instead of laying them where they need to be at the foot of the cross, asking God for his help, asking for his mercy and his forgiveness and his grace, sometimes we just carry on with our old ways, with our old habits and our old mistakes. Or are you, like me, someone who finds yourselves picking things back up again, even when you thought you'd laid them down? 
And yet, as we see from this bit of the story, Jesus responds to his children again and again with love. Undeserved, unmerited and perfect love. And this story from John tells us that Jesus time and time again will meet us exactly where we are. We are never abandoned, never forsaken. So here in John's account, we have Jesus meeting with his friends right back where their adventures began. And after all their failures of the week leading up to Jesus's death, after all their doubting and all their giving up hope, Jesus meets them again. And it's here that he seems to be saying, it's OK. We, we can start afresh. We can start again. We can do it together. I forgive you. I love you. I'm here with you. In this story, as the nets fill with fish, as his fortunes start to turn, Peter looks out to the shoreline and suddenly realises who is standing there. And in typical Peter fashion, don't we just love Peter's wayward and wild personality? He jumps out of that boat and he swims to the shore as fast as he can. I can only imagine that scene and what it was like. It's early morning, the sun is rising, and impulsive Peter is going wild, swimming with all his might to get to that beach as fast as he can, and leaving all of the others to drag in what was undoubtedly an awesome catch. But Peter did the right thing, did he not? Despite how he was feeling, his first impulse was to get close to Jesus, to move in Jesus's direction. His focus was getting to Jesus as fast as he could. And verse nine says that when the boat finally returned to the shore, Peter and Jesus were quietly sitting together around a fire, but not just any fire. This was a charcoal fire. And that fire, I imagine, must have conjured up all the same smells and the sounds and the same crackles as on the evening of that Thursday night when Peter denied Jesus three times in the courtyard of Caiaphas, the high priest. There was a charcoal fire burning there too. But here we have Jesus treating his friends with compassion and with love while jogging their very human memories of their wrongdoings. The Bible states that when they had gone ashore, the disciples saw the fire, the charcoal fire, with fish on it and with bread. Jesus had prepared a meal for them. And yet he says to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. Bring me some of what you have. 
And this is one of the things that really strikes me from this passage. Bring some of the fish that you have caught. Why would Jesus say this? In this scene, Jesus already had everything he needed in order to make breakfast for his friends. Breakfast was ready, we're told. He required nothing more. Isn't it the same, isn't the same true about what God offers us though? God has everything and yet he freely offers us a relationship with himself. He wants to share life with us. Jesus gave his life for us when he died on the cross. And if we accept it, forgiveness and peace and grace are all ours, even when we keep getting it wrong, just like the disciples did. And yet, despite our failings, despite those mistakes that we've made, despite our very imperfect selves, Jesus is more than willing to take what we offer him. Jesus says, come, bring some of the fish that you've caught. And it's as if Jesus is saying, even though I have everything, even though I am everything, come and share what you have with me. Come and share who you are with me. I want to know you because you are worthwhile. Your failures are forgiven and you really matter to me. You are a child of God. You are my friend. Jesus values, really values what we bring to him in our act of worship, in our love and our devotion, in the people that we share him with. Because it's true that he longs to hear from us, longs to know us, to listen to us and to talk to us. An encounter on the beach is waiting for each and every one of us. I wonder what we will bring. I wonder what we will share. And in that encounter, Peter's life turned around. In that encounter, his hopes were renewed and restored. And in an encounter with Jesus, that is always, always the case. Amen. Stripped away 
content in this podcast is adapted from recorded Zoom services held by Teambridge Methodist Circuit Coastal Section. Full videos can be viewed on their YouTube channel. Music is taken from worship audio tracks, all rights reserved.